Hi, we're four moms living in Silicon Valley. We all landed here from four different places. Candice from Philadelphia. Jasmine from San Diego. Tamara from Toronto. And Kim from Atlanta. New motherhood can be scary, but beautiful and really overwhelming. So it's nice to have the right people in your corner cheering you on. We found each other and now we want to share with you. Welcome to MomSync. Welcome to MomSync. I'm Jasmine and today I'll be getting the low down dirty from my fabulous co-hosts about everything new mom and new baby. Let's get started. So we have a very, very new mom in the house today. So it was perfect timing for us to get on this topic. So I'm really curious about the first month for you guys. How was that? How's it going? Um, I guess the newest mom of them all, Tamara. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm smitten as a kitten with my new baby, Adeline Frankie Cavan, and she's just adorable. She's three weeks, and it's been a crazy, incredible experience. Yeah, I am four months into the mom game, guys, and it has been every bit of beautiful, amazing, real, any adjective you can think about that's positive you could throw in there um i think i'm just right now like just learning so much there's so much to absorb every day she's changing you know whether and then i think i'm finally getting over a little bit of anxiety we'll talk a lot about that in another episode about you know just those fears yeah anxiety (laughs) yo it's real but you know it's been good i'm calming down a little bit you know if she cries I'm not like freaking out anymore (laughs) but it's been great um I think I'm at now four months in I think I'm more into the place of just really enjoying watching those milestones and developmental leaps so that's been a really cool thing to watch now she's grabbing things now it's so cute so she's grabbing on to my finger and to toys and I know you're much further in the game Candice oh for sure um Well, Cannon is 16 months as of uh, November 14th, and even though it's been, you know, 16 or, yeah, 16 months, a year and some change, I still remember those first few weeks like yesterday. Um, We did spend the first two weeks in the NICU, so that was a little harrowing there, but, um, you know, it's almost, even when they told me when she was coming home, I just remember bursting into tears as soon as the nurse told me about it. And just having those moments, those first few weeks um, with your baby are just like everything. The um, kangaroo time. Um, I mean, even now, she's 16 months, we still cuddle, and it's the most wonderful thing in the world. Um, we started watching Sesame Street, um, which is pretty fun, and I love watching her and we don't watch a lot, but I like watching with her and interacting with her as she's watching television. And, you know, she'll look at me and do the happy dance for Elmo or something fun. And she's learning her words. And she's, um, you know, she can say bubbles and mama and dada and bananas. And then it's just so interesting how quickly they pick things up and how much they absorb. And it, it's it's a wonderful thing to watch, to to witness and but also to be a part of and and share in that that's so cool oh my gosh so i want to take you guys some of you way back to 
dad driving home because I am actually not a fan of my guys driving. So <laughs> I'm really curious to know how that went for you all. Kim? I will tell you, I am not a fan of my husband's driving. And he <laughs> like cringes every time I'm in the I'm the co-pilot and trying to tell him what to do. Even today, I uh, was like, what are you doing? Slow down. Stop. Don't you see that car? Is that <laughs> because I have the same problem. I, I don't know if it's like a control thing. Like, I feel like when I'm driving, I'm in control. And so I know my daughter's safe. But when Jared's in the, in the driver's seat, I am a little, no, I'm very nervous. But coming home from the hospital, he was 10 and 2 and driving very slowly and turning out of you know every turn was like took like the grandmother was driving and so <laughs> I was it like through. babe it's okay it's okay you can you know but he was good he was calm he was very you know just focused as he was pulling out of the hospital and uh the baby slept the entire time so that was good I think that took the you know the edge off of, for him because he was very nervous, but now he's getting, you know, a little bit too comfortable. And I'm like, yo, like, slow it down. It's okay. We're not in a rush. And I think that's the biggest thing for me, like, going back to work. Like, I am not there at home or have that, like, control. control. So, you know, I'm always wondering, like, how is he driving without me? Or what is, What are they doing? So I have to dial it down, too. Um, so for me, us driving home... We had, again, two weeks kind of in the game, so it was still very, very new to us. Um, I actually rode in the front seat, um, which I know a lot of moms like to ride in the back seat, and Cannon slept the whole way through, just like Juliet did. I didn't have any issues, although I was still a little bit uncomfortable from my C-section because of, even though I was two weeks out, just bumps. I, I did a lot of Spider-Mans, like hands on either side to just brace myself. But I think what you'll find um, is even you may not be a fan of their driving, but they, if you ask them, they have consciously in some way modified or changed the way they react to the world. And even if you're not a fan of how they're driving, they have at least dialed it down. It may not be to your specifications, <laughs> right. but they have dialed it down. That whole holding their baby for the first time changes everything. It really does. What about you, Tamara? How was it? So I can totally echo what you said about the C-section. It, it's very painful, the first ride home. Uh, it was, he was very nervous. I could tell he was nervous, but he was trying to play it really cool in the sense that he didn't really adjust his driving, but I knew he did. So he, he was driving the speed limit. He wasn't going that slow, which made me nervous, of course, but I know it's because he, he was trying to play it cool. He got really annoyed with the nurses because he wanted to pull the car up and then they would wait till he got there so he could load our stuff in the car. So just to back up a little bit, when you go to the hospital, if you're a new mom, they wheelchair you down with your baby in the car seat and give the hospital we had gave us a cart to put all of our stuff that we had taken to the hospital. But the nurses seemed really quick to get rid of us. So he, he was annoyed because he wanted to put the stuff in the car and make sure everything was running smoothly. And I think that was his control thing. Uh, but you know, getting getting home, it took us 10 minutes, so we were we were lucky in that sense. And I normally am really annoyed by his driving, like you are too. He has crazy road rage, so that did not appear, even though 
there were other cars that were doing stupid things on the road. So he definitely altered things and changed his behavior. And we got home safe, and it was great. Good job, dads. Great job. Okay, so I actually have another question, which leads right in from getting, you know, driving home to whether or not you chose to confine yourselves and your baby inside of your home. And how did you make that decision? Did you do it? Didn't you do it? Did you never see the light of day? Come on, give it to me. All right. So for me, again, two weeks in the NICU, um, I think we spent a good another two weeks at home just kind of getting used to everything so at that point Cannon was a month old um, and Mark had to go back to work um, earlier than had than we had anticipated so I was by myself um, again um, not much family here yet so I, I didn't really have the luxury of just staying in um, and kind of confining myself it was a combination of having to get things done, going food shopping, and granted I could have gotten some of those things delivered and, and pulled in, but it was also a test for me because I knew I had to do those things so that I could be successful and the longer I waited there would be, there's, you know, there's a lot of anxiety when you're with your child for the first time and you have to get a certain comfort level just like with breastfeeding with anything new that you're doing with this wonderful little human being that you don't want to break you're wanting to make sure you're doing it right doing the right way and sometimes the anxiety of of the whole process can get in the way and I knew that that could impede me from getting or moving myself forward and doing those things comfortably. Um, so for me, I wasn't out and about in the street, but like I would try and make sure I went out for coffee or I had to go to the post office. But it was a leisurely walk. There wasn't a lot of interaction with strangers. Um, I always made sure she was protected and covered. Her feet were covered. She had a blanket um, and that there was a buffer, if you will, <laughs> so that there wasn't a lot of reaching in or touching or uh, things like that. So she got some fresh air um, in a controlled environment. Mom got out fresh air, and I was able to do tasks that I knew that I needed to do with her comfortably and securely. Yeah, for me, I did some research on confinement before I had Juliet, and um, it I was very intrigued by it because a lot of it goes back to like Chinese medicine and dealing with the mother recovering and really taking care of the body. Um, because a lot of times I have friends who wanted to just, you know, jump back into who they were before. And it is, you know, it does bring life into the world. I mean, we are, we do a miraculous thing and I don't, think that you know they give women enough support and credit especially in the u.s far as really taking care of the moms and when i think about even like maternity leave i am blessed in the situation where i'm thankful that i have the amount of time that i have with my child and to be at home and to recover but a lot of moms don't have that and it's a shame like you should have a longer it should be a federal law like that all moms have at least six months off of paid maternity leave. But I think it's so important to just really, you know, take care of yourself. And so for me, I was in, I went through 52 hours, then a C-section. So I felt like I had two kids in one trip to the hospital. Seven days later, we go home. Um, 
and I was still feeling it. Like I was, I could barely like lift myself up to breastfeed. So I really took my time at home, but I wanted to, I don't necessarily think it was like for any like cultural or religious reasons for me for to do more of a confinement situation. I think I was just a little like more so freaked out for germs and people and, you know, just kind of like just mama bear, just wanting to protect her so much. And so it took me a while to just kind of break free of that. And I remember the first time I told Candace, I was like, I know as soon as I go out, someone's going to try to reach their hand in that stroller and I'm going <laughs> to chop it off. And sure enough, the very first day, and I told Candace that I texted her later that night and I told her, I'm on Santana Row and this woman had the audacity to reach her hand in and try to touch Juliet. And I gave her the look of death. And the woman like turned around and she's like, I'm sorry, I have a, a child myself. And I said, well, you should know you shouldn't touch my child. But I was really like on edge uh, at first. So I think I, I took about 30 days before I actually went out into the public. And I had my mom with me and that was a, that was a huge blessing. I had her here for like two months, but um, I was able to like really like bond and stay at home. And then yeah, eventually like maybe week three or four I started to venture out and go get coffee and take baby steps but that was just you know my personal journey <laughs> and how's it going for you tomorrow I know you're only about two and a half ish weeks in but so Adeline is three weeks in and the anxiety is so real it's the hardest this is the hardest part I think of new mom and being a new mom is trying to figure out where and when to invite people into your little bubble with your baby and it is so difficult because you get such conflicting advice from everybody and that's that's just gonna happen with everything related to the baby but you get advice from your pediatrician so for example my pediatrician is like make sure everybody has the flu shot that interacts with your baby make sure they have the tdap whooping cough vaccination don't let them you know touch the baby wear a mask if they are going to and then at the same time I have my father and my uh, sister, they're actually both OB-GYNs, and they're like, whatever, a baby's immune system is so strong because of breastfeeding that it's, it's fine. Or you should expose your baby to germs because then they become more immune to them later in life. So you just get all of this different information, and it's so hard to decide what to do because also... I want to show my baby off to everybody. I'm so proud and I'm so excited. And it's, it's just really hard to decide what that balance is. So initially I was like, oh, I'm probably gonna just be fine. And, and before having her, uh, I thought, you know, I'm gonna show my baby off to everybody. I'm gonna have visitors, it's not a big deal. And now actually having her, we're just very protective. You know, we're not going to the mall. We're not going to airports. We're not going to libraries, any places with recycled air. Um, you know, and this is what the pediatricians tell you. And, you know, not exposing them to young kids who are sick or anybody who's sick. So it's, it's really difficult. Uh, and I'm still working on that balance right now. And you, it's the same. You just are such a mama bear. You have to be so protective. And it's difficult to do when you get pressures from the outside. Oh, yeah, I bet I'm, you know, I'm halfway through my pregnancy and I already am getting the, ah, like, which one do I do? Everything is so opposite, you know? But to, to tomorrow's point, you get so many pieces of, you get advice about everything when you have a child. But I think it's so important to stick to 
what you believe in. Go with your instinct. Don't let anyone make you feel bad if you decide to go out the house early or if you don't. Like whatever you feel is best for your child, feel good in that and don't make anyone like mom shame you for your decisions because so many people feel like what worked for their child will work for your child and that's not true just stick to you know if I could offer any piece of advice in my short (laughs) um, motherhood journey like I just go with what I feel is best for Juliet Jared and I like that is our family we're all we got you're not at home with me at 4 a.m. with my child when she gets sick like someone I was in Portland recently and someone thought we were overdressing our daughter and I was like no thank you like you won't have my you won't be there when she has an ear infection and up late at night I'm gonna bundle her up okay so go with whatever makes you feel best you feel comfortable yes speaking of 4 a.m. before we wrap up my my first month home uh, interrogation I have to know how it was with the feeding and sleeping because I love my eight hours of sleep and I'm going to die so I need all of the preparation so you guys have to tell me how did it go So I guess I can start Um, what Mark and I decided on. We did kind of shift work. Um, I did do a combination of breastfeeding and pumping. Um, Again, my or our decisions were a lot informed by having Cannon in the NICU. So I had two weeks to kind of, that was kind of confinement for me, if you will, in that, um, you know, I got rest for that two weeks. Someone else was caring for my child on the overnight, and as soon as I could, I was running up the highway to go see her. But I was also pumping because she was um, preterm and premature. I had to pump to make sure my milk was stimulated. When I saw her, I did breastfeed her, but I was also wanting to pump and make sure. So I had a supply of milk. So because of that, when she came home, we decided to do the, I would do the daytime shift, um, which is essentially when Mark was at work, I would feed her, take care of her. Then at night, Mark would have her say from nine to about, I don't know, two o'clock. So he would get, he would be with her, do the nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, feeding we'd switch off I do the three to six and in that way that was a way that I got some sleep it wasn't a lot it was six hours um I know people tell you oh sleep when the baby sleeps I never did that it, it just it did not work for my personal personality <laughs> um there was I just saw so many things oh I could do a load of laundry oh I can do this oh I can do that and So I never really did it, but I did slow down when I was feeding her. That was kind of my quiet time. And I really, really enjoyed, even though it took all of my strength out of me, the breastfeeding, but just feeding her. And that little bit of time for me was a replenishment of my soul, replenishment of my energy. Just, you know, looking at my child, I mean, you could spend hours looking at that little baby. I still do. I'm like, oh, she's so cute. I love her. Um, But it, it, that in and of itself has a way of recharging you so um your body also trains you too to not get used to that eight hours so pretty Uh soon you come up on that third trimester it's going to the bathroom it's up it's down you're uncomfortable so your body starts to say yeah get used to it because you're not going to sleep for a while r.i.p to my beauty it'll be quite funny when your your husband says to you wow i'm so tired and you look at him and like i've been tired (laughs) what are you talking about it that is so funny because if uh, uh, if my husband does anything like that i always do it's like 
give me a cookie and a pat on the back. I did it. I, I got up in the middle of the night and I gave her, you know, put her back to sleep. And I'm like, bravo, sir. Like, I tried doing it 10 more times. But no, honestly, it is, you know, sleep is what it is. And, I, you know, it comes with the territory of being a mom. But I will say, like, what Candace was speaking to, like, your body starts to make the adjustment. And I think for me, like, the cluster feeding was the hardest part because, you know, Juliet, she was feeding, like, every two hours, literally, like, clockwork, and it was all day, all night, and you're just exhausted because breastfeeding takes a lot out of you, and you're, if you don't, you have to make sure, like, you're up to, you know, keeping yourself um, replenished with water and the right nutrients and eating and, you know, getting your sleep when you can, and, and all of that comes with taking care of, is a part of taking care of your child because you have to take care of yourself in order to be able to take care of your daughter or son. And so for me, I think the hardest part was the cluster feeding part because, you know, she would go down easy, but then I, kn I already knew like she was gonna be right back up. But we were really blessed in the sense that Julia is a sleeper. That girl loves her nighttime. And so it's more so the daytime now that we're struggling a bit with, with her taking her naps, but nighttime, nine hours flat, she is down for the count. Wow. But when did that happen for you? <laughs> like literally month and a half in, like okay. she was sleeping. Like the There's first hope. Yeah. The <laughs> and we did a little bit of sleep training. Like we, you know, I was really like torn about, because she slept in the bassinet next to me and then um, I was really torn with like just putting her in her room in her crib uh, so soon we did it at month two exactly eight weeks in and we just started to like really get her used to sleeping in her crib and sleeping well she wasn't sleeping in her crib I'm not gonna lie <laughs> let's be real she wasn't sleeping in her crib but she was sleeping in her own room on a on a queen size bed and I'm like oh my gosh this is just a little no shame <laughs> no shame no my shame. 16 month old sleeps with me yeah so she finally we transitioned her quickly from the bed to the crib we just wanted to take her in steps and so then uh she's now in her crib and sleeping nine hours but it took a little bit to get there but I think once uh my little secret was all right I breastfeed at the last feed at 7 30 every single day at the exact same time so at 7 30 she feeds and then dad rocks her to sleep but we top her off like because it's a whole other hour by the time she actually goes down and then dad will top her off about two ounces and I think that has really helped her like stay asleep a little longer oh it definitely does we did the same thing kind of the late feed later feed made sure like the not for us it was the 9 30 feed make sure that last one we get her really nice and full mm -hmm. and just like is that what you mean by top off what is that, that? like top yeah. her off is like okay she's full but then you know if you like change her or bather or whatever and then an hour goes by then just a little bit more not a whole feed but i give her like maybe two ounces of breast milk and i put it in a bottle and that's honestly a great time for jared and juliet to bond because then he can like feed a her snack. a little bit it's a little snack exactly mm -hmm. and and i think it beats a little bit of i hear people talk about twilight feeds which is kind of like you wake them up at some weird like two hours after you first put them down to feed them again if that works for you, cool. But I think just as part of the process, okay, we eat, you 
get your wipe down, you get your little story, you get a little cuddle time and a little bit more. When they're that little, it's good to associate those things. They need actions associated with it. So they know, oh, I need to do this, this, and this. Because they can recognize some patterns to start going to sleep. Where you don't want to do so much of that is when they start to get a little bit older and you're cutting back the feedings and they're moving towards three, four times a day feeding as opposed to the 24-hour cycle, you don't want to start associating the bottle with food or with sleep, excuse me. Yeah, um, my doula recommended uh, easy. Eat, activity, sleep, you. So you allow them to eat, give them an activity in between, then put them to sleep so that they're not nursing to sleep or bottle feeding to sleep so that they don't get used to um, having or you know relying on that to go to bed so you put a little activity in the middle and that could be reading to them talking with them playing with their little feet changing their diaper like something it could be five minutes and just something in between to break it up because it was so nice like Juliet would nurse to sleep and then I'm like I don't want to wake you you know I don't want to move you and then I would just kind of slide her into the crib but I broke I started to break that up so I do the feed and the activity which is her diaper change in a book and then uh, rock to sleep. I'm and then still struggling her. with all of this, obviously, because uh, you're only three weeks in. You're I'm good. three weeks in. We're still trying to figure out everything as figure it goes. Figure out her. And yeah, and it's been crazy. I have to say, it's been absolutely crazy. I think for us, even just hearing that, putting an activity in between, and not you really are so tired too. You're like, yes, she's asleep. Yes. And you just want to put her but in your bed. But at three weeks, you can, like they say, there's no such thing as spoiling a baby. Like yeah. you can cuddle with her. You can do, because they really don't pick up what my doctor told me. They really don't pick up uh, routines anyway until like two or three months. So you're in a good space where you don't have to really, because she can't really associate just yet at three weeks in she just knows mama bear is here she smells you she you know just you know continue to love on her nurse her to sleep if you want to like even when Juliet was like three weeks I would like do some sideline nursing in the bed with her and like just let her nurse while we're laying down and put her back to sleep like that's okay but once she's getting a little older then you'll start to find those routines that work best for you yeah I think right now it's anybody's game <laughs> with with Adeline and we're really I think the only things that we're trying to be consistent with is nap time during the day, all lights on, lots of activity, lots of noise. And then when we put her to bed, she's in a dark room and we're, you know, calm. We're not making a lot of noise. We put on our noise machine. We, you know, do read her, read her books. But I think that's the only thing that potentially is sleep training wise. As far as no sleep goes, it has definitely been an adjustment, more so, I think, for Andrew, my husband, than myself. Again, what Candace said is pregnancy, I was waking up every hour uh, to go to the bathroom. So, And you're uncomfortable, like you said. And so for me, it wasn't as bad an adjustment. But when we did stay in the hospital, that's four days we stayed in the hospital after my C-section. And the nurses were coming in every hour. Andrew was great. He did stay in the hospital on that cot. Most uncomfortable thing ever. So he's, he was just dying and, you know, having to wake up every couple of minutes. And then we go home and we're trying to figure things out at four in the morning. And he was, he's just a zombie. And I was kind of, you know, you champion through it. I don't know if that's a mom thing also, but probably. And 
I think, yeah, he's, it's been really difficult for him. The hardest part too is you kind of feel bad, but at the same time you're like, get over here and change this diaper at four o'clock in the morning and It's a be little helpful. bit of welcome to my world. Yes. Like, I mean, for you, you're already six months in with the sleep deprivation. It's yes. just like, whatever. <laughs> deal with it like yes. try doing complex activities like you know blah 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 all at once and then uh take care of a baby so it gets hard and the challenge i think too right now is i'm in my cocoon with her feeding her and i want to keep breastfeeding myself because it's our time and i don't want to give it up yet it's just i don't want anybody else to feed her because i cherish that time even though it is four in the morning or seven in the morning or eight in the morning um, so that that's a challenge, and I'm still figuring out when I'm going to start pumping and letting other people feed her. Well, it's not really letting other people, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to stay in the realm of newborn moms, but I just want to say a word about anxiety and postpartum because so many women go through it, and I feel like a l- with, with most of these kinds of things, everyone feels like they're going through it alone. They don't know anyone who's experienced it, but if you just share a little bit, turns out we all have kind of had these same feelings. So did you guys have any anxiousness, any anything going on, um, you know, newborn stuff that you want to share? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was real. Like, I didn't have any, like, I thank God I didn't have any postpartum, like, depression. But I think the big part for me was feeling like, okay, a lot of times when, especially with Juliet being the first grandchild on both sides, it's like, give me the baby, forget mom, you know? And it's, I felt like I really had that conversation with Jared before she came. I said, I want you to make sure, like, when Juliet gets here, like, give me not attention but make sure like you make check in on me because I didn't want to slip down into a dark place or anything like that just make sure you check in to see that if I'm okay how I'm feeling emotionally physically Um, because a lot of times you know everyone is so excited about the baby that they forget to check on mom so I was a little worried about that initially but my mom was actually super helpful with that part like she made sure like I didn't put too much pressure on myself to try to be super mom and trying to do it all and like took my got rest when I could or you know Jared would make sure like okay how are you feeling today like because it's a it's overwhelming there are so many things going swirling around in your head and you're like trying to figure it all out and I felt like you know am I doing something wrong because she's screaming her head off and I'm like a bad mom and you know all of these things that I'm trying to learn everything at once and you know so going through all of that just to sum it up I think just really having that conversation with your partner is so important to make sure that people check in on you because postpartum depression is real but um, I think a lot of it comes from um, not feeling like people see you it's almost like you were just used to bring life into the world and then the baby is just like you know, it, it should be all about the baby. But at the same time, I think moms are just, like I said, they're, we are superheroes. We are amazing creatures and we have done an amazing deed. And I think that, you know, just making sure that we're checking in on each other as friends, as family members, I think is important too. Yeah, so I had, a, uh, I still have the anxiety. I've always had anxiety. Um, and it probably ramped up even more with having um, Canon because it was um, 
a bit of PTSD, my friend Anne. Um, she lives in Colorado. Um, she's a mom. She's, she was my mom guru. Um, and she always called to check in on me. How are you doing? Um, how's everything today? And then we would talk about Canon because she was concerned about that. But she always asked how I was doing. She wanted to make sure she saw me. Um, and I think that's, that's always important. So when I'm checking in with Kim or with Tamara, how are you doing? I'm really, you know, we, we'll ask, oh yeah, how's Julia, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times I'm really checking in to see how they're doing. Because um, with becoming a mom, that's not your whole identity. Um, you're a person outside of that. And that was something that Mark said to me He said, when I was telling him about podcasts and, you know, I've obviously I left uh, my job or my career and now I'm a full-time mom that doesn't completely define me I'm bigger than that and you know he reminded me of that um, saying you know you're more than just a mom you're, you have other interests and I think that's so important to remember and remind yourself of that um, and he also said to me he's like you know it's you and me at the end of the day when Cannon leaves in 18 years or whatever we have to do something to make sure we stay together, we stay as a unit, and, and just remember each other. Um, but I do remember I had um, one particularly uh, epic postpartum depression moment. Um, you know, everyone has a little song that they sing to their child, and I was folding laundry, Cannon was on, sitting on the bed, kind of propped up, and I was just crying, you are my sunshine, and folding oh. laundry. <laughs> just a cluster of just like all of this like between the breastfeeding and the pumping and it was just one of those things and I th I'm thankful for Mark because he walked in at that moment from work and he just gave me a big hug and he's like just leave it let's go <laughs> and, um, and you know he'll see me from time to time and he's like let's do something and he'll you know do some activity or whatever so that it like he can see or watch me kind of descend into that and sometimes it's seasonal too but you just have to watch your partner like that's the one thing I would say um, like Kim said just you know watch people like see people ask how they're doing and really wait for that response as far as uh, as far as I think it's too new for me to 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 feel outside of this whirlwind of emotions but the anxiety is crazy and it's real and I think do you guys remember this episode of Sex in the City where Miranda's like, today I try and not kill the baby and tomorrow you are the person who tries not to kill the baby. And that is kind of what goes through your head all the time. I worry about hitting her head on a door or dropping her. I had nightmares last night that, and I can't remember if they're nightmares or not. If I woke up and would look through the covers of the bed to make sure she wasn't in them and she was in her bassinet and I didn't pick her up and start breastfeeding and then leave her in the bed. So, so the anxiety, I don't think uh, that that's going to leave for a while, but definitely from day one, hearing her cry was excruciating and heartbreaking and not knowing how to fix it. Whereas now, I mean, I'm, I've left her in the house and I'm doing this podcast and uh, letting her cry a little bit it doesn't it's heartbreaking but I can handle it a little bit longer so it's definitely hard and the anxiety is there but I think every day you learn a little bit more about how to cope and it gets better. 
Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy you guys shared that because I have so many fears and it's just, it, it gives me strength and peace to know that I've got like this really strong mom tribe who's been through it, who's going through it and we have each other and you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it, like we, like we say, it's really scary, you know, to bring a child into the world, raise the child and all of that stuff. So, um, here to help you with that is our famous mom hack segment. So we're going to take a quick break and share with you a life-changing motherhood hack. All right, guys. So this is Kim and my mom hack. Okay, I'm just four months in, but I will say since we're talking about our first month with the baby, I think the most important thing is finding time for you and your boo. I think that is my mom hack because when you think about trying to take all the notes from everyone that is giving you advice, trying to get everything right, trying to understand your child, what the cries mean, how to breastfeed, am I doing this right, how to change the diaper, waking up every two hours. There's so much going on in your world right now, but I think the most important thing next to the baby is remembering your partner. I will say for Jared and I, our little hack will be soon as baby goes down we pour a glass of red wine i pour my glass of ginger ale or whatever i'm feeling for that night and we netflix and chill and that is our in our date night in and so we just make sure like we say we even text each other while we're putting baby to sleep we're like okay which movie do you want to have ready and we're like movie is loaded whoever is rocking the baby to sleep uh is getting Juliet to go down and then Boo and I we have our moment together before she wakes back up even if that's a two-hour movie and she's back up whatever it is find that time for Boo and you and that's my mom hack and we are back to close out our episode today we just want to bring in some light funness and talk about some of the silly new mom moments that you've had or are having right now so let's start with Tamara Um, and we are back. And to close out today's episode, we just want to talk about something funny and light and kind of keep it jovial because motherhood is crazy, but it's so fun. So we just want to bring up some of the silly mom, new mom things that we've done or are doing and just share kind of, you know, what's going on with us. Let's start with Tamara. Okay. So as we had kind of alluded to before, the anxiety is real and Basically, I would advise anyone to keep their pediatrician's number on speed dial because you will be using it or the advice hotline. So I called the advice hotline probably about three times in the first week and then also made a trip to the urgent care because, again, you never know what's going on with your baby. And so we thought, you know, we thought it was serious. And one of the <laughs> in the end, it was nothing. And we got to the pediatrician after we went to urgent care the next day because I had two appointments. And the pediatrician was like, this is 100% how babies are supposed to be, and it's normal. So, yeah, I thought her breathing was labored. I thought she was colicky. She had gas and crying too much. Anyways, it's normal. And, yeah, I think that's my overbearing silly mom hack moment or a silly mom moment. <laughs> so this is Kim and my silly moment. I swore up and down this was going to happen to me. 
breastfeeding and your boob out and you walk out the door. And I told my husband, literally, I'm like, I'm going to be in a rush one day and I'm going to like walk out the door with my boob hanging out. So we live in a high rise building. And so you have to get on the elevator to get in and out of your unit. And so, of course, as I told my husband that I was going to do this, I definitely walk out the door. I was rushing off to an appointment or something. I don't even know where I was going. So I walk out the door and I had just fed Juliet and I would hand it over to my husband. And I'm like, I'm no, actually my mom was at home. Actually, that's who was with me. And I hand her over. My mom's in the room with her, rocking her. And then, so I'm like scrambling, grabbing my bag to go out the front door, walk all the way to the elevator and I look down, and my boob is just hanging out for oh, everyone no. to see. Yeah, oh lips out and all. So thankfully, no one was. None of my neighbors were at the elevator lobby with me. Thank God, I was able to like tuck and go. But I just knew that that was going to happen, and I'm just praying that it doesn't happen to me in public. But hey, whatever. My baby's got to eat, so they'll just have to get over it. <laughs> um, I think my silly mom moment, and I wouldn't call it silly, but. It just feeds into the whole anxiety thing. There's this whole desire to get on the Google machine and look things up and you start self-diagnosing. So of course, um, you know, I noticed that um, Cannon's tongue is white and um, I something was bothering my nipple and I'm like, oh my goodness, let me start looking. So of course we look and I'm diagnosed, yep, Cannon has thrush. That's exactly what she has. She's got thrush. Oh my God, we're in so much trouble. So we rush off to urgent care and the woman looks. She's like, wow, she's beautiful. She looks healthy and she has milk tongue. So my thrush diagnosis was actually milk tongue. So yeah. Yeah, we, I think we all Google everything mm -hmm. self-diagnosis. Oh my so goodness. Bad. So dangerous. Yeah. I mean, it's good for some things, yes, yeah. but when it comes to anxiety and your newborn and trying to figure out what's going on, tomorrow's exactly right. Get your um, hotline, your nurse line on speed dial, have it ready to go. They'll answer questions any time of the day. Um, and it's just a great resource. It's so much better than the Google machine. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> I learned that maybe like a week ago from my pregnancy. Like don't go to Google first. Call your doctor first. Like, your doctor knows you. They know your history. Google does not. So call your doctor first and then, you know, maybe take a peek at Google. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have time for today. So we um, are happy you stayed with us all the way to the end, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Mom Sync. Join our tribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Mom Sync.